All right. Welcome back to the Jeff Hagee Show. Glad to have you here today. I'm excited today to have a special guest with me, um, a special guest that I had the opportunity to meet a few weeks ago um, that I didn't know who it was when I first met him. And I want to share that story with you, but I'm going to introduce you to Doug Vessel and I'm just going to, I'm going to read his bio, but then I want to get into more of his story. Um, so he's a PhD, is a former finance risk manager turned entrepreneur He's the owner of Freedom of Practice, where he helps therapists break the shackles of the insurance world by starting their own private practice. He's he's helping therapists reclaim their time freedom, money freedom, and treatment freedom by becoming the courageous therapist who creates jobs, um, not just a not just a job. Uh, the best job he's ever had, and I was just telling him before the show, this is my favorite part of his bio. The best part, job he's ever had is being the dad of two wonderful kids. He and his wife run their businesses around prior prioritizing family time, not the other way around. So welcome, Doug. We're going to get into your story, but just uh, welcome and tell us a little bit more about yourself. Awesome. I'm so happy to, to be here. Thanks for setting this up, Jeff, and look forward to, to our chat. And it was great meeting you just randomly at the Barnes and Noble there in uh, Scottsdale when we were, you know, both discussing Richie Norton's new book. And yeah, it was, it's great to, to be here. So, you know, my background is I worked in finance for about 14 years, I did my PhD in statistics and applied probability. And, you know, I rose the corporate ladder. I did the traditional path that most people do. Worked in New York City. I worked abroad in, in France. And, you know, I found out over, over time that sometimes you're, the dream jobs that you have can totally, completely consume you you know, and there doesn't leave a lot of time and space for other things like being the dad that I wanted to be, like pursuing my passions. And so I made the switch to, you know, completely jump industries and go in and start helping mainly occupational therapists start and grow private pay practices. And, you know, I haven't looked back and it's it's been the best jump that that I've made. And I should segue that you know, it's not a totally new thing because my wife is an occupational therapist and we started her private pay practice back in New York City in 2014. And so I've always been interested in that business side of it and that personal growth side of it of, you know, how do you really go about creating something from scratch to fulfill your life, to fulfill your client's life? And now I get to do that full time and it's absolutely fantastic. That's awesome. Good for you and good for your family. So I want to tell you a little bit about the story of how I met Doug. And so as he mentioned, um, it was through Richie Norton. And, you know, if you follow me and been listening to me, I've talked a lot about Richie. He's been on this show and he recently had a new book launch, um, Anti-Time Management. And we did an interview. And actually, if you haven't, um, listen to that one, go to jeffhagey.com slash anti-time management, and you can get all of that. But he was doing part of his book tour that he was here in Arizona. And so I had gone to meet up with him. And I was just kind of, when I got there, I was kind of sitting back and, you know, there was a lot of people there getting books signed and talking with Richie and whatnot. And it was starting to clear out a little bit. And him and Doug were sitting there talking and, in, and I could tell that they knew, knew each other. 
And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, I bet they both lived in Hawaii. They both look like a couple <laughs> surfers. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and so I, I went over and I was talking to Doug and I said, hey, just wanted to introduce myself. I can tell you, you know, Richie as well. And, you know, who are you? And he says, well, I actually I'm, I'm in the book. And now just to give you a little preface of that. So there it's, I believe, is it chapter two? Chapter two, yeah. So in chapter two of Richie's new book, Anti-Time Management, he tells this story of this guy that had, and I'm going to let Doug tell more of the story, but had this incredible job. And it was like he, Doug was just saying, a very time-consuming job. Yeah. But he he gets to connect with Richie, and Richie starts teaching him the things that he does. And the the part of that story that really stands out, probably everyone that reads it is the part about saying no to a eight thousand eight hundred thousand dollar a year job yeah yeah <laughs> and so but but before i let you share the story in my mind you know i had read the book twice i had listened to it on audio you are not who i had pictured in my mind i had this like 50 <laughs> something year old guy in my mind <laughs> yeah and so when you told me oh this is me i'm like that's you? No way. <laughs> so, I think your exact words was, I was expecting someone older. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you're right. So I guess just to kind of start start the whole conversation, tell us a little bit about that story and what choices you made to get you to where you are now. Yeah. So, I mean, when you're working in finance, and I think Richie describes it really well in the book, and it's not specific to finance. I think if you work in medicine, law, accounting, any of the quote unquote white collar jobs where you are an employee, you know, and you do not actually own the business, what ends up happening is you have a job that provides you with income, but you don't have an asset, right? You don't, you know, your ability to make money is dependent on you showing up every single day to the job. And I found that it really becomes a golden cage and it really starts to limit your ability to move. It limits your ability to spend time with your family. It limits your ability to work on certain projects. And you know, my kids were getting older and older. Um, I mean, they're eight and 10 now, but I started to see that, you know, I wasn't spending as much time with them as I wanted to, you know, I wasn't spending as much time with my wife and my father had passed away recently. And that was kind of a big wake up call because he got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, basically on a Saturday. And that Tuesday, he passed away. It was wow. incredibly quick. You know, there had been some signs he had had some other health health issues and everything, but you know, it just goes to show you how incredibly short life can be, and you can't take for granted that you are going to pursue dreams and passions. You know, five years from now, ten years from now, that. That's going to be the time that you spend with your kids. That's going to be the time that you really roll up your sleeves and you know get down on the floor with them and help them build construction projects and everything. And so I really wanted to change kind of our family life, you know, how we went about living and the 
legacy, if you would. I know legacy is a big word, but you know, when you look through your family tree, like the relationship you have with your parents, is that necessarily the relationship you want to have with your own kids? You know, and many times, maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe there's some things that you want to change. And doing that for me meant, you know, leaving behind a very lucrative career. There's not probably many people who would be willing to, you know, turn down uh, a job like that. But, you know, certainly maybe a younger self, you know, a younger Doug, you know, coming right out of graduate school, uh, I probably would have had a hard time saying no to it. But I think you just go through these things in life where you can really crystallize the things that are really super important to you. And I don't think we get so used to thinking that things need to be either or. And I don't necessarily believe that I left that you know, job offer means I can never make that type of money again. It means I can't make that type of money in that career. But, you know, I do have a, a pretty strong belief in making things happen and through action and through momentum. And maybe I will make that kind of money again. You know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I don't need to make that kind of money again. Maybe, you know, something that is you know, smaller than that, but gives me the time and the freedom, which my wife and I really want at this stage of our life is really what's most important to us. And so we're going about very intentionally creating our days, creating our weeks, creating our years so that we're really taking advantage of being the parents that we want to be while still building a, a business that supports us and sustain us. Ogmandino said that the difference between those who have failed and those who have succeeded lies in the difference of their habits. Good habits are the keys to success. Many of the habits that will bring you success in life are easy to do, but they're also easy not to do. I developed the Mindset Journal so that I could easily implement powerful success habits into my daily routine. The power of the Mindset Journal comes from knowing your top priorities and scheduling them into your day. The power of the reticular activating system and its relationship to your goals your mindset questions, and your daily accountability. So if you want to implement some quick and effective success habits into your daily routine, go to jeffhagey.com slash mindset journal and get yours today. Yeah, that, you know, I love the words you use on that is being intentional about it because yeah. it is very impressive to me. It's very easy to say, yeah, my family, my kids, those are my top priority. Yeah until someone offers you $800,000 a year, yeah. then, then it's like, okay, is that really your priority? Because you just said, well, no, this 800,000 is more important, but you went the other way, which is, you know, kudos to you. That's really impressive. And I, I even know, you know, from the story in the book, um, I guess share Richie's first reaction when you told him that's what you had done. Yeah. He, he was a little, I mean, he had very good advice and, and I think only afterwards he shared that he was a little bit concerned, you know, his, his <laughs> advice was, you know, cause I was worried about how to say no, but still preserve the relationship because that's really important to me because, um, you know, it was someone, it, it wasn't just a random job offer. It came from someone I had worked with many, many years before who I know well, so, you know, they had wanted me to step into this role, which 
I just didn't feel like was that the juice just wasn't worth the the squeeze, so to speak. You know, I thought through all of the things that were going to come, you know, with it, the commute, the lack of family time, the additional stress, the inability to work out, the inability to take vacations, the inability to have weekends off. Like you start lining it up. And Richie talks about this in, in his book, like looking at the final cause. And there's all of these, you know, it's easy to focus on the headline number or it's easy to focus on someone's title without thinking through all of the things that come with that and potentially negative things that come with that. So, you know, at the time, Richie just gave me the advice of like, use that difficult conversation as a way to build trust. And so I just had an honest conversation with him and I told him where I was at, you know, at this stage of my life and the things that I wanted to accomplish and focus on. And surprisingly enough, he completely understood and he was right there with it as well. And he was like, look, I only want to do this for about another two years. His kids were just going away to college. So he's thinking he has some college expenses and so on and so forth. But I know that type of mentality of just one more year and I'll contact him five years from now. He's still going to be in the same place. And I just looked around and I didn't want that. I'm still young enough that I can reinvent myself. I'm still young enough that I can do other things. And I didn't want that to be me. I didn't want that to be the person who never tried something new, never went out on a on a risk. And so, but back to, to Richie's advice, it really did do that. So he, he was like, look, that makes total sense. Um, but if you ever want to do some consulting in the future, let's have a conversation about that because that is a different way to get paid that it would allow me to still work from home, work anywhere I want, be in control of my time, be in control of the projects that I take on and everything. And it was, it was great advice. It was only afterwards that Richie said, actually, I was a little bit concerned that you were slightly crazy, um, <laughs> but it's, it's worked out. So it's fine. <laughs> That's really cool. And at the time, remind me, was it, were you in Portugal? Uh, France. Or France. Okay. Yep. And yeah. so I guess, tell me a little bit, this is more of a curiosity for myself. What was that conversation like between you and your wife? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. She was not on board initially. So I kind of had to convince her and because she had kind of the same attitude initially of, well, just do it for a year, just do it for two years. How could you say no to something like that? You know? And when I started going through, you know, cause it's very easy to get excited initially about something. Um, but it's only like through looking at it in a cold, rational way that you start to see some of the other things that came with it. And once we started talking about that more, she was totally on, on board with it especially now that she sees like the way I've been stepping into to being a dad and being a father and everything and the relationship transformation that's happened with, with our kids. I, I don't think she has any regrets whatsoever. That's very cool. So then tell us, you know, cause, cause you were in France in the same industry at the time. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So tell us the transition of, 
what you did from that point on, because I know you transitioned into the entrepreneurial role. Yeah. So, I mean, basically I left, left the firm, left, left my job, and now I'm supporting occupational therapists. So basically meant building everything from scratch. So if you rewind the clock back in, you know, 2014, we founded a private pay occupational therapy business back in New York City. And my wife is a really, really talented occupational therapist. And her specialty is actually pelvic floor therapy. So helping new, uh, well, supreme postnatal people with pelvic floor issues. And when we were starting that business, it's an interesting story. So I'll, I'll tell it here. It was in 2014. We were actually living in North Carolina at the time. And we had wanted to move back to New York City because we had left the city probably prematurely after uh, our first kid was uh, born, my daughter. And we decided we really missed New York City. So we wanted to go back. And my wife was working in a clinic at that point. She had been in a hospital setting, but she herself didn't want to go back to a hospital setting or clinic setting because with one, you know, I think our daughter was a year old at the time and she was just about to get pregnant with our second kid. She wanted freedom. She wanted time. She wanted to be class parent. She wanted to do, you know, pick up and drop off. She wanted to uh, go on school field trips, but she still wanted to make a living. She still wanted to see her clients. And it was like this jigsaw puzzle of how to fit everything together. And so one day we were walking, uh, her daughter was in the stroller. We were walking through the woods and we started thinking about a business in New York city. And we started thinking, you know, what is one thing that new moms hate if they're going to get some sort of service, they hate having to leave the house. They hate having to leave their kid behind because they either have to get a babysitter, their spouse has to come home, their partner or whatever. So we said, maybe we just go into their homes and offer our occupational therapy services in their own home, because that population has a real need for in-home services. You know, if you know anything about occupational therapy, they love to see people in their home because they get to see people in their environment and start to use it. And let's just have them pay upfront at the time of service. So we don't have to deal with the insurance company at all. And we can kind of make some planning for the business. This was our big idea in, in the walk in the woods. And we kind of stopped and looked at each other and we were like, I think this is going to work. Like, I, I think this is a good idea, right? So we actually moved back to New York City and started the company. And, you know, it took about a year, a year and a half, but eventually she was making six figures from it. She was full-time booked and everything. But, you know, I was still working in business. And so she would have all of these business questions, marketing questions, sales questions, all of the stuff that therapists don't necessarily think about when they're starting a new business, you know, because they've never learned. They don't teach business in OT school or in PT school. It's just the hands-on working with the client. And so I've always been really interested in communication and strategy and sales and everything. So that was perfect for me. So I ended up kind of being her business coach over, you know, a long period of time. 
So when we were looking for, you know, what I was going to do next and, you know, she always wanted me to become an entrepreneur because I just have the mentality of like, let's get things done and, you know, nothing's impossible. Like, let's just try to do it and then fail and then try again and everything. And that's how I, that's how I was successful in, in my corporate career. So it was just a natural sort of thing of like more and more occupational therapists and PTs want freedom of not only money, but also designing their treatment. And so that's where freedom of practice was, was born. And so that's now, you know, my, my sole focus aside from, from being a dad is to take all of those things that we learned, all of the mistakes that we made from operating a private pay business and teach that to the new crop of OT entrepreneurs. That's very cool. It's, it's interesting because, um, this week on my daily success strategies podcast, <clears throat> one of the things I talked about is one through different experiences, whether it's travel, different jobs, different things like that. And two, through spending time and discussing with other people, how you get inspiration like that. And just, yeah. you know, that, that story of where that inspiration came from and kind of that aha moment. That, that's really cool. So so you've built your business supporting therapists around your family life. Yeah. How do you go about prioritizing being a dad, husband, and business owner? Yeah. So it's it's a great question. And um, I forget who has the quote. I'm going to butcher it. But basically, they said, like, creativity needs a box. You know, like, constraints are actually a good thing in your life because it allows you to approach the problem more creatively. So if you look at my schedule, I basically have around 25 hours of a week to work because the other time is spent with the kids and with my wife. So, you know, we do the drop off together in the morning. So, you know, we, we wake up, we do breakfast. We, um, if the kids have any last minute homework, we're working on the homework. I'm, I do all the cooking in the family. So I'm making their lunches, you know, and we're getting them off to school. And then I just have the day between when they're in school and when they come home to work. And I set it up purposely that way. So anything I can squeeze into those times is the time for me to work on the business or to help my wife with, with her business. And then once the kids get home, I put all of the work down. And what it means is that I have to get really good at saying no to things because I don't have an unlimited amount of time, you know, um, you know, if they ever ask you to like, you know, how do you get a, you know, what's the quote? It's something like, you know, if you want something done, give it to a busy person because they just <laughs> <Yep>. don't dilly dally <laughs> in, in getting it done. But I also just have to be very strategic about the things that I'm working on and really constantly reassess, like, is this one thing going to actually move the needle for our business or is it just busy work? And maybe, maybe we just don't do it, or maybe we hire a VA to do it or a student to, to help us out with it. And so creating like really key demarcations of book days of, of, of our day has been really key. And so we work a lot on automations and batching of, of content. 
Because the other thing is like, once summer comes around, we want to be pretty much off from work for, for the summer, you know, like there's going to be stuff that we have to check in on and things to do, but we really want that time to be spending with our kids. So starting in November, you know, my wife and I, we're going to take a week out of our, our days where the kids are still in school and plan basically the next six months, eight months of stuff so that we can be in a position when, you know, June and July rolls around, we can be off. That's, you know, it goes back to something I said at the very beginning of a word choice you had, and that's intentional. And you're being very intentional about what you're doing. And it's, it's really cool to see. And there, there's a lot of things in there that I think are so powerful for people to learn from. And I mean, especially over the last couple of years, through the pandemic, we had more remote work, all those things. And it's very easy for, you know, you start working at home, especially if it's not something you're used to. Yeah, that your work day turns into your work evening, your work night. And, Absolutely. You know, it's just right there in the next room. I've just got to do a little bit more. And yeah, it's so yeah, I love the structure that you've created. And you know what, one thing that you said that won't mean the same to everybody. Um, I'll just share this with you. Right there. February of 2004. I wrote 101 goals. Oh wow! And what? And one of them was to be able to take my kids to school every day. Yeah. And you know, to some some people, that's like, yeah, big deal, whatever. But that's something that, yeah, that's really cool for me to be able to do. In fact, the day that we're recording this, I did a reel today about, you know, my why is to teach people to be optimal performing entrepreneurs. Yeah. And one of the things that means to me is to have the choices, have the opportunities to decide, you know, I'm going to coach my kids basketball team. I'm going to take my kids to school. I'm going to pick my kids up. And, but it has to be done intentionally, or it's really easy to take care of the urgent things. Yes. Not the important things. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And it's that intentionality, I think, is, I don't think we necessarily do a really good job as, as a culture of teaching people what's truly important, you know, because we get a lot of demands from other people. And, you know, I noticed this with my kids, you know, they're 10 and eight, you know, they get a lot of requests to, to do different things and they're still figuring out who they are right? They're still, they haven't figured it out yet. And, you know, they probably won't figure it out till, till they're 30, but for them to figure out the things that they like and to figure out that they don't actually have to go along with what their friends are doing or go along with even what an adult is suggesting, right? Because that adult just has one type of experience and that may not be applicable to the things that they want to do. And to have them really question the advice they're getting, the you know examples that are being put in front of them to really start to know who they are and what they really want is one of the things that we're trying to do right right now because we've only come into this in the last you know five years six years as parents as adults ourselves and we really want to pass on that intentionality to them because they see the way we work they see the decisions we're making. And so anytime we can, we try to bring that, you know, in the most relevant way for a 10 and eight year old. That's great. So 
as you're talking about this, it makes me think, you know, my, my main audience here is going to be entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure a lot of them are thinking, you know what, that's why I got into entrepreneurship. I wanted to prioritize my family, my kids, and yeah. all of a sudden they're 18 and I missed it or whatever the case may be. What are the things that you'd recommend for a busy parent who doesn't yet have that relationship with their kids that yeah. they they wanted to create? I mean, I'll 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 tell you a little bit how I've done it. Um, and hopefully maybe there's something in there that that can help somebody. Um the main thing for me actually was I changed the way I discipline. And that was huge because when you're so busy, when you're doing so many different things, and at the same time, your kid is going through their experience. They could be being bullied at school. Their friend said something wrong to them. They're having some experience during the day when you're not around them. And if you come into the house and you bring all the baggage from your work, all of the important meetings you've been having, all of the decisions you've been making, and you discount that experience that they've been having throughout the day, I find that creates like a barrier between you and the kid. And the, the biggest time that barrier happens is when you're trying to discipline them is what I found because I'd come in, okay, I'm the dad, you know, it's that same whole sort of thing. Like just wait till your dad gets home. And, you know, I don't, I don't know about you, but growing up, like I wasn't given a lot of parenting advice to prepare me for, for being a dad. I've just had to figure it out as we go along and see what works. And eventually I came to the conclusion that, you know, I was prioritizing the discipline over the relationship. And that for me was a huge wake up call to say, let me first prioritize connecting with my kids, seeing what's going on in their life, trying to understand things from their perspective versus immediately reacting. So they know that I'm not this disciplinarian coming in, but like I'm actually on their team and this is a problem that we're going to solve together. And once I started to approach the relationship like that with, with them, things turned, turned around, you know, quite quickly. And that's, I, I think the more you can focus on the relationship versus the discipline, the, the more things fall into line, you know, and my kids are, are very well behaved, but if they ever do do something, we just have a conversation about it. And, you know, it's a more mature conversation, a more adult conversation, but they're at a point where we've been doing it enough that they can handle it. And they feel like they're being supported and being understood and being, you know, validated versus, versus someone who just doesn't understand, you know? Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's really valuable. And hopefully that can help some of some of our listeners, because you're right, there, there's not that handbook that we're given is no. okay you're a parent now here's what you do exactly <laughs> so yeah and, th and then it's the the next chapter you're an entrepreneur parent here's what you do <laughs> yeah exactly you have like 17 you know blades that you're juggling you know yeah. so good luck with all of it <laughs> so yeah I, th I think that is so cool because you know 
that's a bit to me that's a big part of success as an entrepreneur is having the ability to have the choices to build the relationships yeah and and grow and and, and to be the example i mean exactly from what you're doing with your children is going to impact them their entire lives right and so that that's amazing so I'll, I'll tell you one other story and i'm i'm so proud of this because um when we met that night in in Scottsdale, you know, it was the first time I had been away from the the family in, in quite some time. And my son is really interested in being an engineer. Like he's one of these kids who loves tinkering around with stuff, you know, taking things apart, seeing how they work and everything. And, you know, he's only eight. And he said to my wife at the time, he was like, he was like, mom, if I was an engineer or an inventor, which one would allow me to spend more time with my family? And my wife was like, well, look, you're going to be with us until you're 18. You go off to college and everything, and then you're going to start your life. He's like, no, 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 I don't mean you. He's like, but with my kids. And that, like, that was absolutely huge. Like that was the biggest, proudest, like dad moment I've, I've ever had because that to me is like, you know, changing your, your family tree about intentional living and what's really important and having that family philosophy. And he's only eight and in, in thinking about that. And I was just absolutely flabbergasted when, when he brought that up. You know, and it, it says a lot to you and your wife because, you know, it's always, always a joke, you know, what do your kids say when they get to school, right? Because they're right. going to be repeating what they hear at home. Absolutely. And for an eight-year-old to have that train of thought is pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, it was so that's cool. really cool. That is really cool. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about your journey. So you made, you made that big jump. What were some of the biggest challenges switching in that career? And what advice would you give to someone that is going to go through a personal change like that? Yeah. I, I think w- one of the biggest things was your ego, um, you know, and your, your identity kind of. So, you know, if you work, I think it's true of any, any job, you know, people put working for another company up on a pedestal. They're like, oh, my son works at IBM you know, or my son works, you know, at, at Facebook, whatever, whatever the thing can be, there's a, there's a cachet with that. And there are so few entrepreneurs um, that when you leave a corporate environment where you were known, you had success, you know, you felt important because if you called a meeting, people actually showed up, you know, if you held a meeting, people actually listened, (laughs) you know, it's all of these things where you really take it for, you can take it for granted, you know, and when you leave that space, those things leave as well, you know, and you have to, you have to restart, you have to reinvent yourself. And so I think, you know, letting, go of the ego side of things is, you know, difficult, but that's, that's where, you know, one of the things that we talk about in some of the the online courses that we have is, is the way to conquer new goals is to go back and look at the successes you had and write down the successes you had and the challenges that you overfaced, because 
many times like we underestimate our own skill level, you know, because we we're we're a really bad record keeping of our own accomplishments and our own capabilities. And so when we're faced with a new challenge, it's very easy to go, oh, I don't know how to do that, you know. But if you write down all the things that you've done in your life and the things that you didn't know before you actually did them, you'll see you've actually done a really good job at accumulating skills, accumulating connections, accumulating capabilities that you can apply to the new thing. And so the the looking back in in history, I think, from from where you came from to give you the confidence to do the new thing has has been really, really absolutely key. That that's really cool um to hear you talk about that because that's something that I think people don't do near enough. And that's what I do in my mindset journals. That's oh, one cool. thing I have I have people do every day is write out their top five goals. And the cool thing I love telling people to do, because, you know, we set a goal and as we progress that, that goal, the end line just gets bigger and bigger and we keep pushing, pushing it out. And so I'll tell them all the time, you know, go back in your mindset journal, go back a couple months and look at what your goals were and realize, you know, I'm living my goal. I, I achieved that, but I moved the finish line. And so I didn't take time to celebrate it. Exactly. And so that, I think that's awesome. That is really good. So what what has been what have you seen since you've made the change as your biggest challenge as an entrepreneur and what has been the learning experience from that Yeah I think the biggest thing it kind of goes back to what we talked about a little bit previously which is the time side of things because I only have a short window of time and and we're being really intentional with the kids, it is easy to have things creep over. You know, it is easy to chase a shiny new object, you know? And so getting really intentional about the the time that we're spending and planning the week is, has been probably the, the biggest thing. Cause it's, it's an easy thing to say it. It's a, it's a hard thing to actually do it and live it. And it's what I found is it's not perfect. You know, like we're constantly evolving and iterating, but that goes back to the intentionality of like sitting down on Sunday and looking at the week that we have and figuring out like, what are the things that we actually need to do? You know? And so the implementation is always the hardest, right? And it's always the most difficult thing. Like it can be easy to come up with the ideas, but it's can be very hard to execute. And the thing that I found is that not being, you know, one of my personality traits is that I like to be a perfectionist. And um, that's a good thing because I like to produce high quality work, but it's a bad thing because that work can take an extremely long time to produce, you know? And so being able to reduce a little bit of those perfectionist traits and know that it's not going to be perfect the first time that I do it, but that it's that learning process. And then I'm going to get better over time that I'm going to get more followers over time. I'm going to get more clients over time. And that this week, the things I do this week, the things I do this day is if I have a setback next week is a new time to, to do something new, you know, and having that sense of getting back on the horse is really, really important because otherwise it can be easy to become demotivated if you don't have 
instant success at something. Right. No, that you know, I really, I really love your story. And there, there's a few things that really stick out to me is being intentional that that's, you know, to me, that tells your story, you, yeah. the choices you've made, the things you're doing, it's all intentional and it's for a reason. And I think, you know, that's why you're having the success you are. That's why you're raising the kids you are and those sort of things. So I, re- I really want to commend you on that. That's really cool. Um, we, I, I really, in these shows, I like to talk about that entrepreneurial journey that you've shared. And so I really appreciate that. But I also want to make sure that one, for those that want to learn more about you, know where to contact you, but share us a little bit more, one, where people find you, social yeah. media, all those things, but also just, you know, give a plug for your business, what you do so that if people are listening, that you're the right fit for them, they know that that's the case and how to get in touch with yeah. you. Sure. So the there's two best places, really. Um, so you can go to freedomofpractice.com. That's our website that hosts all of this stuff, all of our online courses, materials, free training videos about starting and growing a private pay practice. Um, you can also check me out on Instagram, which is Vestal Doug. Um, and then really our focus is on helping occupational therapists you know, really eliminate the shackles of an insurance type uh, working situation so that they can create more time freedom, more treatment freedom, and more more uh, money freedom as well. And we do that through a variety of online courses, coaching programs, you know, one-on-one work, group coaching. We do, do, we do work with other healthcare providers like physical therapists and speech therapists. So those are the two best resources to, to check out. Well, that's awesome. And I'll make sure in the show notes, I'll have, have all these links. So if you're in a car or something and you're not getting all that written down, just go to the show notes. I'll have the links to his website, his Instagram and everything else. Um, and you know what? It's, it's something that I really encourage you to go read his story too. Um, go to jeffhagey.com slash anti-time management. That's where you can get my interview with Rich and the link to the book or just Amazon or anywhere you can buy books. Um, but yeah, I, I really appreciate the opportunity, Doug, to meet you and to actually jump on this call and be able to share your story and what you're doing. It's really amazing. And I really admire you for the intentionality behind what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. This was absolutely a, a blast. And I really love your, your work. And it's so great to to chat with you. Thank you. Are you an entrepreneur who wants to discover the breakthrough secrets that will produce the results you've been searching for, but you just can't seem to figure out why you keep working harder and harder and you're just not getting those results? I want to tell you about a new challenge that I've created just for you, the Business Domination Challenge. If you want to create the entrepreneurial lifestyle and the business you dream of, then this is exactly what you're looking for. I created the Business Domination Challenge to show you how to grow your business exponentially and to become an optimal performing entrepreneur. What's an optimal performing entrepreneur? It's an entrepreneur who's succeeding in all areas of their life. If I show you how to build a successful business, but your relationships, your health, and everything else is falling apart, that's not a success. It's not about working harder. It's about implementing the correct principles and becoming the person who can do the things that produce the results. 
Hurry and go to jeffhagey.com slash business domination and secure your spot today.